It's in, I mean, again, it's 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 a complex issue. I mean, we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about um, um, French philosophy. We were talking about um, the likes of Rousseau uh, and and Voltaire and so on. And the the, the idea that um, 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 that you can't you can't um, allow representation. Um, that you have to have your own voice. Each person has to have their own voice. Um, and if you give over, this is Rousseau, I think, uh, if you if you hand over your your authority to a government or to some other body to speak for you, then you've handed over uh, you've handed over your your moral authority to make your voice heard. Um, but how I mean, but how does how does everybody take part in the conversation? Uh, and should everybody be given a part in the conversation? I mean, you're talking about freedom of speech um, and how that's important to you, and that's you know that's 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 completely funky um but that's the problem isn't it of, of democracy isn't it it's, it is i mean and and thing is and that's and i think that's why some of the greeks like like plato uh well i mean plato wasn't all that down with democracy i mean other greeks were obviously but it was kind of well you know if you give everybody a, if you give everybody a say so um um then the idiots are going to vote passion in, you know, over reason yeah, they're going to end, they're going to end up voting in Boris Johnson or Donald Trump or whatever because they'll 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 listen to the pedagogues, uh, and they'll listen to to you know, um, you know they'll listen to people with who will offer them you know some tax breaks or you know, a free pizza with every vote or whatever, and they go oh, yeah 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 well I'll vote for him um, or or you know or people waving the flag you know the idea of wrapping yourself in the flag and saying you know. You don't have to say anything of even of any real substance. It's kind of we will protect your identity, we'll protect your sovereignty, whatever that means. And what, what exactly does that mean? We will protect your sovereignty, you know. Um, uh, uh, and so you know, you promise these people that you build up this kind of demonization of the other by suggesting that um, there are people on the brow of the hill going to steal your your your, your jobs and steal your your women and rustle your cats and all that kind of stuff. And it's just going. Do you really? I mean, do we really want these people to have a say? In, in, in isn't Plato right that you know maybe these people should be allowed to you know to do the uh, I mean even in the Federation I mean I've often wondered this even as a kid I wondered this there's always there who do, you know there must be people around who do the kind of the hoovering and the cleaning um, uh, and and the people who wash the windows and so on I mean, not everybody serves in a starship you know not everybody has that kind of glamorous sort of life there are people who kind of dig holes and and push buttons and, and work in factories um, so that's, it's not that's why I love lower decks because it shows you the people <laughs> yeah. that don't. Uh, but you know what you're talking about, like the the a pure democracy. I feel like it begin like once you hit a certain population threshold, or at least like a certain area mm. that you're spreading it across, mm. it starts to break down because, um, especially think of like, you know, if there are you know, two and a half million people in the state of Virginia that becomes a bit more of a tricky situation because the people in the western part of the state where we're bordering you know on the other side of the appalachian mountains mm. where there are completely different issues for them than there are for you know people over where i'm at on the chesapeake bay there there's completely different issues so we are not neither of us is really uh, uh properly educated or informed to be able to make decisions based on you know for the other side and at that point we need to have some representatives mm -hmm. come in and say okay this is what's going this is what's needed in this area of the state okay well this is what's needed in this area of the state these are the resources we have these are the the paths we can follow how do we come to a compromise that fits both sides equally because the more voices you have at some point it simply becomes noise and you're not getting any message through 
And in a nation as large as the U.S., especially mm. when there's, I think, last... This has been a while since I've looked at the population numbers, but the last time I looked, it was somewhere around 330 million people. And how are you going to say that someone from upstate New York is going to make a decision that is going to benefit, that is going to be as beneficial to mm-hmm. them as it is to someone in yeah. recognize that it has its limitations. Like there, you can't, mm-hmm. at some point people's voices get drowned out because there aren't someone, there isn't like a signal to focus it, to bring it to bear. Mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, um, my, my ex-wife actually had an idea that I still hold to um, that really should have, would benefit the U.S. at least, is that in our two houses of government and our legislative branch, um, you know, where you guys have the House of Lords and the House of Commons, you know, we of course have the Senate, which only has 100 seats. It is two senators per state. Um, where, and then we have the House of Representatives, which is based on population. And it's 435 seats, and those seats will, the number of seats each state gets fluctuates based on how the population changes. And, I mean, it, it's, it really only changes like every 10 years because that's when we do the census and do it, check everything. And generally, it's more of like, oh, well, this state loses a seat and it goes over to this state because, you know, populations have shifted. But what, she said, and what I really agree with, is that service in the House of Representatives, particularly because um, terms in the House of Representatives are only two years, whereas in the Senate it's six, um, terms in the House of Representatives should be a, a form of public service like jury duty. So it's a, okay, you've been called up. And your your name was drawn on the docket. You're called up. You get have to serve as the representative for your district and your state petition from, because then instead of just telling people what they want to hear in order to get that office, no, it's just grabbing random people, and and force them into a position where they have to make decisions for you know their area, mm-hmm. and that way you know, you know that way it's less of a you know, uh, it, it's less of a, a greed mm. thing to inter to um, uh, uh, mm. interfere with their decisions, and more of their yeah. if they're they're having to do this, they're having to do all this. If they know, then just going along with whatever this uh, voting block mm. or you know whatever this special yeah. interest is. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a town hall meeting. You can't have a town hall meeting, can you, for for above a certain number of people? But um, I think one of the points yeah, yes, yeah, no, it's that, that, that is interesting to me that Hunter said uh, raised was um, uh, like the representative. So the representative mm. then um, we're relying them on them as a human that they say they're going to do a certain things. They were okay, well they're going to do that mm. then. But rather than being like a, a conduit for a direct the the you know the direct voice of the people, that's what it should be more of. They should yeah. you should rip the guts out of the kind of the the guts at the idea of a um, career politician there shouldn't be any this is just, just like it should be a mouthpiece a literal representative of the of the of the ideas that's just my idea my view anyway maybe there should be maybe maybe that's it maybe we should have like you yeah. know maybe we're going to end up with a kind of a series of ais representing various regions of the country yeah. um i would go further as well um uh, i think that's a great idea but uh, and also 
um, I think we've we we especially here in the UK, we must move past from uh, the idea of of parties, and and tribalism, because I you know I, mm. I I now disagree with a lot of what you know I would normally agree with in, 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 in the Labour Party, and some things some some things that are said in the in the Tory party say well actually that's just, he's got they've got a point there, but I'm not allowed to do that. Because that's you know because I this is my tribe this is my side why who said that it's just ridiculous mm. these were based these mm. were based on you know it was a labour movement and it's based on something that was created a long time ago and I'm supposed to hate mm. these people because they're, you know they they're um, the opposite this this now is like an idea I think I'm very you know moving away from and I I, I consider myself yes. still like polit- politically at a certain place. But I'm not going to just say, well, I don't like those people because they're, they're on that side. Mm. This is like, it's childish. Mm. I mean, it's one of the things, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, you see this. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that you see this physically, mm. um, certainly, in, uh, certainly in the UK, that um, a lot of the UK infrastructure is, is, you know, kind of roads and transportation and so on. Still fairly Victorian um, and, you know, trying to, trying to kind of get out of London at, uh, at particular times of day uh, from where I am. Um, because I pop up and teach in Cambridge once a week and I have to get out of southeast London and kind of drive up you know, further north. Um, and it's a nightmare because one of the main ways out, one of the only ways out of southeast London, um, um, is a tunnel, the Blackwall Tunnel. Uh, and it's a Victorian um, thing, which was designed for Victorian traffic, uh, which means that it can't take the kind of weight of, 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 of you know, uh, rush hour uh, uh, vehicles. Um, that, that go through this. It's always jammed is solid. That, sorry to interrupt. Um, so there. all these is that the one with yes. like a um, it's got a, a curvature to it. I heard this yeah. one. Yeah, a, it goes under it, the It's yeah. so old that it was built mm. at a time where there was horses, and the horses would, yeah, would see the light yeah. at the end of the tunnel and bolt. Yeah, <laughs> so the, yeah, yeah. So stop them from doing that. Made, yeah. No, it's it's unbelievable. So we've got these old. But I think I think Danny's absolutely right. You know, we have old political infrastructures. Um, that were kind of ideologically kind of you know set in stone at a time when when where when they served a particular purpose during maybe the industrial revolution and so on and so forth um but you know things are di- you know things are tremendously changed uh, and revised now and people just don't want to recognize that so they they they're sticking to they're sticking to these models um and i think some of the best philosophers um, are the ones that identify that things have to kind of you know, that things are organic, that things do move. You know, ever since kind of Heraclitus, you know, the idea that you know things are flame, you know, you can't put your foot in the same river twice. Things are constantly in flux, um, and you can't fear that. It's just the way things are, um, and you have to kind of adapt to that. And I suspect, I mean, I I, I feel that, that that my attraction to some of the uh, uh, some of the science fiction literature um, probably goes back to to to, to a, a recognition that that's. That that's important. And having said that, I want to use that as a segue, not a very good one. It's it'll do. Segue. Um, it'll do. Just to, just to kind of you know, tease, um, particularly uh, uh, Hunter out on this. I mean, one of the reasons you know we thought it'd be quite good to get you on here, um, um, apart from your your sterling contribution to the Facebook page, um, which we're we're thinking of renaming the Hunter Campbell Well uh, um, <laughs> Facebook page uh, and and meme repository, uh, which is great stuff. Um, 
you know you're 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 clearly very interested in 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 science fiction uh future fiction you're very interested in 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 your fantasy and in gaming um uh, you know you're a professional man I, I i have to ask you what is your what is your career i've never quite got this quite pinned down i am a nurse a re- that's a what i thought nurse. i didn't want to say that I'll, you know but you are a nurse that's right so you know professional caring profession uh also clearly a thinker uh, a man who has, as, as you know, a, a lot of interesting thoughts, uh, and a man who obviously cares deeply about a number of things. So all of those things seem to me to be kind of, you know, uh, very, very, very laudable. Um, so what I want to do is just, you know, ask you. I mean, how do, do these things link up? Are they disparate for you, or is your interest in in, in science fiction, your interest in gaming, your interest in in, in thinking uh, and philosophy, you know, your interests in 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 being a, you know caring human being, are they all connected in some way? Are some of them connected? And we like, I mean, Danny and I like to to to, to bring in science fiction comments into into the podcast. You know, I I, as I taught a course um, on science fiction and philosophy, and which I think mm-hmm. Danny sat Very through. Very good. Um, I think you did quite well, didn't right, I? Yeah. I seem to recall. <laughs> I gave you a decent grade, yeah. I mean, I did like you. Um, which is all, basically it all boils down to it. Sometimes I liked you. It's fine. Um, uh, that's not true, guys. Don't sack me. Yeah, so what do you, what do you think? Am I, uh, Anto, if, if, are these things connected with you? I, I have lived a very, uh, very bizarre but very lucky uh, sequence of events. Because I, oh. I started... Um, I initially started when I just got out of um, yeah, high school, secondary school for you guys, um, going off to, to college, and I was originally going, seeking a psychology degree. I was uh, had the idea I wanted to be a counselor um, and go through all that. After a couple semesters, of course, um, my mother had some health issues, so my parents weren't able to... Um, weren't able to, to help me with tuition, so I went and joined our uh, the military in order to pay for uh, my tuition. That led to me getting then deployed because this was 2001 when oh, all of the, the nonsense went down. So, um, so in, and then, so I, I end up going into training in 2003. Um, I get out in early 2004 and immediately get deployment orders. So I spend like the next six months waiting in limbo, um, end up uh, getting deployed, and then uh, when I finally get back uh, in 2006, I am I found it because I've kind of gone beyond the limits of what I was allowed for my deferment from the college. So then I'm, you know, and then of course I still had a little bit else that I owed for tuition, so I'm not allowed to sign up for courses again until I paid that tuition and everything that kind of soured me on college in particular. Mm. So I spend my, you know, I spend out the rest of my contract doing that, um, helping him run the business. And it was when my ex-wife and I first wanted to start having kids, um, realized that the money was found that, um, I could under a new, uh, what they call a post nine 11 GI bill. Oh man. Um, States, I could then take all of my benefits and just kind of spend them all at once for a like up to two year period, and so I went and got a um, uh, an associate's degree in nursing, which you know, and now I'm trying to then find the time and money to go back and um, get my bachelor's of nursing, and then pr- from there on maybe go off to become a nurse practitioner, et cetera, et cetera. But um, Throughout all of those stages, I found some way to relate the previous arc 
or some part of the previous arc to the current one that I'm living. And that's, and through that all, it's kind of helped me because my dad raised me on uh, Tolkien's writings. So that's where my interest in fantasy comes from. He raised me watching reruns of the original series and then like us watching the new episodes of the uh, next generation as they came out and all this other stuff. So, you know, Star Trek and Tolkien were my main things, and then it kind of built off of that. And my brain has always been one that goes 100 miles a minute, so even when I'm doing, you know, doing something that's very uh, uh, attention consumptive, i am still got something thinking of, and there's always something that springs off to another thought. So when I stumbled upon this podcast, uh, I, I, it just naturally became a fit for me because up until my experiences with philosophy up until then had just been like the, the very pretentious stereotypes of philosophy. It's just like, oh yeah, it's just all a bunch of talk without any real substance to it and people acting like they're you know, superior because they're speaking, basically like rehashing these ideas that oh, somebody 200 years ago had, but somehow it makes, and, and suddenly when I, but then when I, when I started listening to you guys and then getting an actual basis of information on this and realizing that, Hey, me, you know, just screwing around with my friends and asking, okay, so is a hot dog a sandwich, you know, like that just sitting there and logically debating you know, what makes a sandwich? You know, it, you know, okay, well, it's technically two pieces of bun, you got, or two pieces of bread, you got something in between it, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that, when, when you, when you guys in the very early episodes made that point that that's just as much philosophy as someone debating, you know, uh, oh, was Nietzsche right in saying that, you know, oh, you know, nothing has meaning and you always have, and you have to find it. Like, that suddenly made it more relatable. And I realized, oh, it's not that philosophy was bad. It was that the people exposed up until now were just assholes. <laughs> I like to think, um, um, yeah. can I just say that? Um, that's really great. And um, I think we actually started the podcast with that in mind. It's for everybody. And, mm. uh, you know, people like talking, uh, you know, in... in stuffy room somewhere in in oxford is you know, some some college is is, is is nonsense it's like everyone can do this and I always think of analogy um um i like um uh, astronomy and um you know advanced astron- astronomy is it, it must be really boring people just look at like numbers on the computer you know they think about that but there's nothing like looking at you know looking at the mars or something like that with, with your, your telescope for the first time uh, th- and that yeah. that kind of accessibility is what we're after i think that's that, that's something that's yeah. um yeah. brought up a lot of conversations with um myself and my co-workers because the big problem that we're having with healthcare in america right now at least as far as like the actual healthcare workers is that the decisions are being made by p- people um that are several levels above the actual treatment floor and they're being made by people that maybe these people do have experience on the floor and they were nurses or you know healthcare techs or, you know, uh, um, you know uh, 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 social workers at one point, but they've distanced themselves 
in getting to these higher positions and now they don't understand what it's like on the floor all they're seeing is those numbers and it's a different it's a totally mm. different thing to be seeing those numbers and to be actually on the floor experiencing what it is like to work in, in those conditions and mm. like being able and having that personal uh, effect for so it's like mm. uh, staffing is the big issue right now and it's and when you're thinking about, okay, yes, it technically, um, it is more efficient for, um, you know, I, I current, so just for context, I currently work in dialysis, uh, out, uh, hemodialysis. And let's say it, let's say it, it is, makes it for a more efficient run of the clinic. They can, um, you know, save on costs. They can, um, make sure everybody gets the treatment they want by having this ratio of one tech per, uh, five patients and then having um you know anywhere from 10 to 20 patients per nurse that may necessarily make the uh clinic proficiently but it doesn't ha but it has kind of the opposite effect on the 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 workers themselves and then you have to and the thing is that isn't being considered is um the the reasons behind people leaving these jobs and going other places or constantly switching or just leaving the field in, entirely and it, it and that that human element gets left out of it and that was and again that was mm. why i really was drawn to uh this podcast because you were injecting that human element back into what I had always experienced from philosophy in the past and you were making it something that actually was relatable to everyone something that was accessible to everyone and that benefited everybody um you need to capture that as a, as a sound capture that as a sound bite danny <laughs> and we can use that as our my uh, cell phone ringtone <laughs> <laughs> um but in, in terms of the the science fiction and you know fantasy parts of it um i got into uh tabletop role-playing games very early because they were a very good way for me to escape the um just just all of the the hardships and the weirdness of life in general and allow me to not only in some cases work through those problems but then just kind of dive into something where it's a world that I have some control in. And then if yeah. I make mistakes or mess up or this doesn't work out, there's no consequences or no real world consequences mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's been throughout that. Like I've, I've been, I've world built, um, I, you know, I, I have my own podcast that is a, a, a live play of tabletop role playing games in the, in the world that I spent the better part of 20 years creating oh, wow. and it's um please link you know, that to the course, please link that to the facebook site yeah yeah because yeah. it will be it will i, be I will to, i will have to good do to that. see it um it is a and, and the thing is like building that world um honestly i i think i've done more to flesh out that world in the last few years um since i've started listening to your podcast than i have oh, um 
everywhere else because it's actually because like I had all like the numbers down. I had like okay, well you have these you know fantastical races and monsters, and you have these areas of the world and this that. But it wasn't until like I really started thinking about the cultures of the world mm. after I started listening to you guys' podcasts, and, and and I realized that oh, there there's more to it than just saying oh well this. I'm going to make this culture kind of like medieval Britain, and I'm going to make this culture kind of like um, 1700s uh, Central Europe, you know. And I No, I, I started thinking about, you know, okay, well, this area of the world is very hot and arid, and it's a mostly desert and grassland, so what are the you know what are what are the resources that these people are going to have to work with what are the common problems that they're going to have to work with how does is that going to shape how they think about mm -hmm. the world and if that sh changes how they they think about the world then how does that shape their view of um how people act and how they dress and what they think of you know just <laughs> behavior in general what is important Sounds and then, of course, we shift over to this other part of the world. It's like, oh, well, these are, you know, it's, it's a lot of mountains and a, you know, a, a cooler temperate environment where at its warmest. So you got to think there's going to be a lot of heavy snowfall, a lot of issues from, you know, you might have a lot of resources to build. But, you know, when it's a very harsh environment, you don't have a lot of time to waste on frivolity and other things or so how do you work that in there was um, and yeah. you know, well, i was thinking about that i've got to say is um you talk about like uh, fantasy and science fiction and how it's um uh, easy to work with when we think about ideas and this is like uh, saying to um praise for mike i remember uh, in your class early on we talk about the, the value the value of you know entertainment basically but the value of science fiction and, and um, fantasy um, and people often you know not much these days not much as much as they used to do, but like poor scorn it or that, that that's a you know that's a you know, that's a silly thing really but i remember you saying mike um philosoph uh, philosophical ideas can be so like out there and difficult to to grasp and um and science mm. fiction and fantasy can fit those you know you can't talk about you know um you know notions of uh, of identity um, in terms of uh, you know, you know, temporal existence uh, with the romantic novel. Maybe you say at one point you can't use the romantic, you know, nineteenth-century <laughs> yeah. romantic novels are not going to help you. Um, but yeah, mm. science fiction, mm. fantasy, and um, just want to say as, as, as an aside, uh, uh, Hunter, just down the uh, the road here, Tolkien's grave is <laughs> you can visit. And uh, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, but it, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's it, what's interesting about the Tolkien's grave is it's just a family grave, just like a really normal family. You, mm. you imagine this, you know, like it's got to be a temple, right? Kind of <laughs> sepulchre, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, um, yeah. With an yeah, eye at the top. It's just it, obviously yeah. it's, it's, it's a family grave, and it's got him, uh, him and yeah. his wife. But they they use the um, elven name. Yeah, they use the elven name. Here lies mm. so and then oh, uh, wow. they call it's each other nice. the elven name, and that's it. It's just really basic, and, yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, you, yeah, there's lots of people. You, you, I've been there a few times. You, just, you see, always see someone just standing there looking at. It. Mm. But, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I like what Hunter yeah. was saying about about world mm. building, um, and in, in, in a, I think in a very real sense, all great philosophy 
is to do with world, world building uh, because you know people don't let philosophers experiment with their philosophy in the real world i mean you can't you can't just say okay now i'm going to implement this in the real world and see if it works so you have to build some kind of analog um so there are always thought experiments of some sort or another you know even down you know okay well, you create the little you know the trolley car experiment um or you create the image of a utopia and how would that work you know and, and you or you create you know you create the image of a you know of the republic or um you know you you do the, the, the these sorts of things um and, and i think that's i think people who who are naturally drawn towards the world building um and and that gives it focus in in in, in game game creation and, and, in, and in writing and the arts and so on um generally have a philosophical frame of mind because they're building this world to experiment to play with uh you know it's it's, it's a playground to say okay well you know we'll create this world now what would happen if we did this if we move these things around oh wow this this actually works quite well i can see this i might try and do that in, in the real world. i'll take this with me into the real world perhaps or you know uh, experiment you know, if so, as as you know, was saying if there was an environment um, which was like this had this kind of environment and these kind of weather conditions and these kinds of you know, social issues and so on um, what would happen if you drop this in the middle of that um, is it going to be a good thing or a bad thing uh, and you know we play with these we, we, we you know we play with these things I have this, I have this image now uh, of Hunter's kind of you know um, role-playing world um, of, of, of all his get all his kind of gaming buddies constantly kind of stumbling across you know um, you know I, the, the Nietzschean void will kind of lumber out of the mist um, and or, you know you'll, you'll wander into a, a, a Nietzscheheim where where there are no gods so spells and magic don't mm -hmm. work because it's just a dead it's a dead supernatural area because you know, God is dead you know and every so often a madman will run through the street and if you catch him um, then you know you'll get a prize or you'll get some sort of reward because that's still the embodiment of God or you end up in Wittgensteinia <laughs> where language doesn't make sense anymore nobody can communicate with each other uh, and I just imagine that whole, all of you know, all, all of Hunter's worlds now are just like dotted with these things you know Sar the kind of Sartre in existential world where everybody hates each other <laughs> I, I will constantly being that. sick yeah. I, I will point out that um, my particular world, um, it does reflect my own views in a certain way because mm, as um, it should. in this fantasy world, the gods exist, and but the thing is they don't care whether someone worships them or not. They're there to, they exist to serve a specific purpose. Each one is in charge of running a specific aspect of the mm. world. And yes, they will reward those who provide them with worship and then action and, mm. you know, increase their influence, but you know, they don't need that. And, mm. um, and it really, and the thing is like, yes, while these deities may, you know, send signs to their followers that, Oh, we want you to do this. It really comes up to that individual follower mm. to interpret that. And it comes down because this this came up um, a while ago in my own thoughts, and it was just my my own particular logical proof that God exists, and it, it requires some some uh, assumptions. So, but I'll go into them. And the thing yeah. is, is that uh, one, this is merely assuming the existence of God as an ultimate being in the universe, the, the highest possible being. Um, and what this, and we can't, as humans, as mortals, we can't presume to know what a being like that wants, what they want from us. Did they really create us or are we just something that happened because of them doing something else in the universe? That's, that's all up for debate. That's nothing that can be proven. But 
you can logically prove the existence of such a being because the universe is either finite or infinite. If the universe is finite, then logically there has to be a being that is of ultimate power. Therefore, God. What God is or, you know, whether, you know, or, or where God is or anything like that, that's up for debate. In an infinite universe, it therefore stands to reason that there must therefore be an infinite being of infinite power and, and ability. Therefore, God. Again, whether this God created us and started everything, uh, that's up for debate. That is something that cannot be proven. Mm. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's not a million. I mean, that's I think that's, that's a, a very neat way of, 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 of categorizing almost the kind of the, 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 the two broad positions, because you either got that kind of Thomist position, which has, um, you know, God as the first cause of something that is finite. Um, which is the one, your one side, or you've got something like Hegel who, who says, well, all that is is what is an infinite universe. So that infinite universe has to be God. Um, and God is in process. He says God, God is becoming more and more sophisticated, more and more aware of themselves. Um, but it's, it's, it's one totality. And we are part of that. And as, as, as time goes by, um, God starts to reassemble him or herself or itself um, as the totality of all things. So I think it's a really nice, succinct way you sum you sum that up that's 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 nice and that reflects itself in your gameplay does it yes and that's that because that's the way i view gods in my fantasy games mm. because mm. the the gods are there they're part of the world that's in there like and their existence is not dependent on whether you know i i as a as a character or one of the players decides that they exist or don't exist you know mm. they're actions aren't dependent on what uh, uh, a player is they are forces of nature as much as anything because they are mm -hmm. beyond co mortal comprehension we can try to define them based on our perceptions and what we view of the world and what our particular experiences mm -hmm. are but there's you know, it, we could no more define what who or what god is than we can define what the color red is outside of our own specific perceptions mm -hmm. um yeah it's an interesting i mean in, I, I remember in um in the um um you're probably familiar with this guy robert e howard who wrote the conan oh yes stories um um he he uh, he portrays conan as having uh, as having a god um crom uh, and you know um there was a, i think it was an instance where where conan was kind of you know nailed up was going to crucify somewhere by some bandits and they said, oh, you know, pray to your God for, uh, you know, because that's all you've got left. And he says, well, you know, Crom doesn't give a crap about me. I mean, you know, he's there. You know, you're, he, 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 uh, he allows you to be born. You know, he gives you a strong arm uh, and, 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 and your will. And then you just get on with it. Um, he's not going to interfere with, 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 with you. You don't interfere with him. So I've got no, it's no point in me asking Crom to do anything. <laughs> um, and it reminded me a little bit of, of Terry Pratchett's, um, when, he talks to, when Terry Pratchett talks about the gods. Um, and they live in and they live in a celestial pla uh, on a celestial plane called Dun Manifesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we don't bother anymore. Um, there was yeah, a, wasn't uh, there, a, there was an original Star Trek story. Who mourns for Adonis? Mm. Um, 
where they end up on a planet and oh. there's a guy there who claims to be, who claims to be Apollo and he wants worship. He, he wasn't a bad guy. All his, all his all his buddies have kind of spread themselves out on the wind, you know, Athena and Zeus and so on, and they've just disappeared to a higher plane of existence, or whatever. And he's there and he wants worship, and he wants to and he and he doesn't, you know, he said, you know, I just want you to worship me as a god, and I'll give you everything you want, and I'll take care of you like I used to do. And of course, you know, the Federation guy, you know, the, the Enterprise guy, saying, you know, we don't we don't play those kinds of games. We don't worship anybody. Uh, as a god anymore if we don't do that sort of thing and he wouldn't have it and eventually they denied him um, belief and he just he disappears <laughs> yeah um, um, and that's it, it's I like how Star Trek has go, has um, you know really approached that a, a lot because you know you have the um, the what are they the, the wormhole aliens that they call them in Deep Space Nine yes, that the yeah, Bajorans yeah, the, prophets, yeah. the Bajorans uh, call them the prophets and yeah. you know and then there's um, you have beings like the Q continuum and um, hmm. uh, 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 now I can't remember his name from the um, the original series like uh, Kirk and Spock and I think Bones are all down they get kind of trapped in this by this godlike being who's just toying with them and then it turns out no he's just a child oh the, the toy yes. yeah the squire of uh, Gothos. yes and so squire yeah. of Gothos, yeah. and so he's yeah. just toying yeah. with them and it turns out and then they basically have the the parents apologizing oh we're sorry it's yeah we're, we're sorry uh no he's he's still learning we apologize yeah. for the damage here yeah. we're gonna fix everything and yeah yeah I mean, it's, I, I, yeah, I, I love all that, and that, that, uh, that, that I mean, that's one of the things I quite, uh, again, I like about about science fiction: the idea that it, it can do these thought experiments, it can play with things. And then uh, Danny was saying earlier on, we were talking about um, uh, about perspective. Um, I remember um, it's not quite gods exactly, but um, uh, Richard Matheson's um, oh, yeah, yeah. "I Am Legend," various variously translated as you know, the last never got Earth right, or the Amiga Man, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and um, you know, I I remember reading that as a, as a teenager and just been blown away because because you know again you get the idea that you know you start out with that narrative that he is the last man on earth he is the hero because he's like me, you know he's he's a human being and he's protecting his human civilization his human rights and he's living his human life uh, and then you get right to the end of the story and there's a bit of a plot spoiler here but it's not going to ruin the story for you um you it, it gets to the end when you realize that it, that the perspective he's the boogeyman he is now. The aberration. Mm. He's the boogeyman. Yeah, he is. He is the legend. He's the monster that, that everybody fears. He's going to come and you know kill people in the night, um, because he prowls around you know machine gunning and blowing up these 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 kind of you know night dwelling creatures. Um, and um, yeah, that idea that oh god, we're the, you know we're the bad guys here. He's he's the bad guy. He's not mm. the hero. Um, and it's, it, it harks back to you know as Danny was saying earlier on. You know we get we get so caught up in our heads that you know all the kind of the right people, all the right thinking people, are the people yeah. like us. Um, that you kind of think, oh, well, hang on a minute, you know, what's, you know, what's, what, what, how do people from the other side see us, or how, how do people from another point yeah, we're, of view we're see us? Quick, we, they we see just us assume, as, you, know, you know, these people are really evil. They're really bad. They're really evil, even. Mm. That, like it's becoming like yeah. that now, even more so. Yeah. I feel. Mm. Do you ever remember? Do you remember? I don't know. You get this in the states. Is that there? Uh, there's a comedy duo in the, in in the UK called uh, Mitchell and Webb. Um, wow. And Mitchell and Webb. Uh, you know, uh, they, uh, David Mitchell. Um, they did a TV show, and there was there was a, a wonderful sketch uh, where you had uh, where you had Mitchell and Webb. They sat in they sat in some trenches during the Second World War, and they're there with you know, and they're they're, they're German, they're Nazis, uh, and um, and uh, one of the guys says, you know, I've always wondered, you know, we've got um, 
our hats, you know, those badges. We've got skull and crossbones on the badges there. Yeah, I mean, skull and crossbones looks a bit sinister, doesn't it? It looks a bit like pirates. Oh, yeah, yeah, I suppose we're, we're you know, we're the, we're the elite, aren't we? Yeah, but, yeah, but I mean, and, and also, you know, we have these, these big black boots and... and, and you know, and, and a lot of a lot of skulls everywhere. Oh, the bad guys! <laughs> I, I've, I've seen oh my god, with the bad guys! That. I think that they were actually like the guards outside of Hitler's door, and they like, and it's like that. That there's there's yeah. been a lot of time travelers coming back to kill him. Like, are are we sure? You know, like, are <laughs> That's we, right. Yeah. Just, I, I don't think we're on the right side. Like, we're not on the right side. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I'm not going to